glad that your angelic force is already on command to echolocate the voice of our praise. And I thank you, God, that you are inhabiting, settling, sitting, fixing yourself in our situation. So, God, we can freely receive today because of who you are. Amen. Say, this is my Bible. We have to say it like Pastor Evan is here now. Hello. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Today, I boldly declare, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. I better not go to sleep. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, help. Amen. All right. <laughs> Child, please, let me tell you. Woo! All right. So, seeing that you all took up all my time, I'm only able to read the first scripture and then we have to go. Talk about trying to praise in this place. Who are you, Christians? Stop it. <laughs> Single Christians. Okay. All right. So, I wanted to clear something up for you guys before I went into the message today because we did a lot of soul tie breaking last week, right? Yeah, so that was good. But you may, either one or two things happened to you. Either weird things happened, like the person you were trying to break the soul tie from, all of a sudden you heard about them, they text you, something happened. So either that kind of happened, or you just knew that you broke the tie, but you don't know what's next. So I just want to clear up for you what is next. So you receive by faith, just like you receive your salvation by faith. You broke this soul tie by faith, right? But now you have to ma- make sure you manage your environment. So if their number is in your phone and you don't have to interact with them, then you need to take it out your phone. You don't need to keep up on them. You don't need, because they were, they were like an Achilles heel for you. You understand? So if they're an Achilles heel for you. You can't play with that. You can't be like, well, let me see, let me see. You can't, you, that seeing days are over because you are now trying to separate yourself. Now, some of you may have kids with that person or you may have broken a soul tie from an abuser and they're still a family friend and by nature of the relationship, you have to kind of somehow interact with them. Then you, again, you marshal your environment and make sure that you, you just cut everything off as much as possible with them. Amen? Okay, well, all right. Today I'm talking about House of Mirrors. House of Mirrors, because we're in a mirror theme. House of Mirrors. So, uh, so when Evan and I were friends, right? Not like when you all are friends and say you're friends, but you're not really friends. He's like my friend. Yeah, you really treat all your friends like that? Don't think so. So, no. We were like real friends. And so we used to argue all the time. That's how you know you're friends. So we used to argue. <laughs> argue. So we were watching I Love Lucy, right? And so, yeah, you don't know about that, but I love Lucy. So we were sitting there and of course I had already watched like all the episodes. So I had to talk through the episode. (laughs) And so he took the remote and called himself playing a joke. And he went like this to mute me. (laughs) Who is laughing? Let me, I am marking you. (laughs) So he went like this to mute, to mute me. But I didn't know what he was doing because I was sitting like this. So all I saw was like some hand action coming towards me. And I was like, whoa, Matrix, what? So I didn't know if he was trying to hit me, where he was coming across. All I saw was something, some shadow coming towards my face. Now, 
I didn't have any boyfriends that beat me, so that's not where it came from. If anything, I be, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, uh, no, stop it. I did not beat them either. I just ran away. I just ran away. Just run away bride, run away bride. So um, I was thinking to myself, he was like, why are you reacting like that? So I jolted back, like, are you trying to hit me? Like, why are you not going to hit me? And so he said, no, I'm just trying to mute you. I said, what? Why would you try to mute? He said, I'm playing, I'm playing. But I had to find out in that moment, why was I reacting like that? Because the truth was, he was a safe space for me, but I had an unhealthy mind. And so I had to find out where that was going from. So I was going to my relationships and I was like, well, nobody hit me. But my mom used to beat me all the time. And so that was one thing I was like, okay, I can deal with her. I mean, in my brain, I just thought one day I'm going to get tall enough like you and I'm going to beat you back. So that was settled that. Um, Okay, well, it didn't happen to you. It's okay. Yeah, me and her, we did have that altercation. Uh, Yep. But anyway, moving on. So then uh, (laughs) my dad and her used to fight, and they had this big fight one time in front of me and Che, and it was like horrible. It was just like the most horrible fight, and she kept telling me to call the... But he was telling me to call the police. And so every time I would get up to call the police, she'd tell me, if you call the police, I'm going to. And I was like little, so I was like... (laughs) You know, and so she ended up taking me and Che and my younger sister to go and live with somewhere, this random place, you know, away from my dad, and I did not want to go. So I just recalled that that action would have meant somebody was going to hit me. So in that moment, had we not had a conversation, every moment after that, I would have been reserved in some way. I'd have been like, where is this going? The bottom's going to fall out. What's happening here? Who are you? You know, because I never dealt with that. So I want to talk to you about House of Mirrors because we don't realize that we have this image that God is supposed to, to, we're supposed to absorb from God. But the way we relate to ourselves and the way we relate to other people, that's based on a lot of the trauma that has happened in our life. So I'm here to tell you about your trauma because trauma and drama go together. And some people get addicted to drama. And the person you think you are may not be the person you think you are. And so you're relating to other people based on your public relations team. So when you meet somebody, you don't go and tell them, you know, let me tell you what I am. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. Let me tell you what else. I'm unreliable. I'm indisciplined. That's not what you lead in with. You're like, hey, no, where are you from? Oh, I'm from there too. What? Yeah, I used to study there. What? Yes. Amazing. It's your PR team that comes. It's not the real you. It's who you want them to see so they won't reject you. So let's go to the scripture. Genesis 1, 26 talks about how when God created man and he said, let us create man in our image and in our likeness, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then we go to Genesis 2, verse 25. And it says, and they both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So they were naked, but they weren't ashamed. Now go down to Genesis 3, verse 1. And it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, <laughs> I could see the serpent too. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> the serpent, oh my God, in my head. Cartoons live in my head. Okay. Yea, hath the Lord said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden. Okay, let's start about the first thing. He is saying something. That's where it starts right there. Just where it starts right there. Oh my gosh. 
what you say and what is said to you. And the woman said back, so she knows she's having this conversation. You know some conversations you shouldn't have? You start and you know this conversation is going where it don't need to go. But you just want to see how far you can go with the conversation. Oh, no, you don't want to admit it? Okay, it's fine. I'll, go, I'll admit it. So I'll do it for all of y'all. But then here it is. He's, she's having a conversation with the wrong source, though. You see, you can have good conversations. But when conversations come to destroy your relationship with God and divide you from your healthy place, then that's not good. And so she said to him, yeah, we may eat this fruit, you know how he do. But of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, can't touch it. Or you're going to die. And then the serpent said, child, please, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. How oh God, what are you going to do? Create another you? Adam only have so many ribs, Eve. He's going to be like a cyclops. You're not going to die, girl. You're not going to die. Girl, you know, no, going out there, it's not as bad. You're acting too saved. What? It is not that bad. Well, you're cussing. It's okay. You're just cussing, but you, you, you act right and everything else. It's not that bad. Not that bad at all. For God knows in the day that you eat, your eyes will be open and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Satan was like God trying to hold you back. He's trying to cramp your style. He's trying to take your shine. Okay, so no, no, Eve, don't follow, don't follow that. And so when the woman saw, so the first thing is said. The next thing is after they have a conversation, she know, saw. What you say and the conversations you have, they create images in your mind. So you got to be careful what you start out saying because your saying is going to make you start seeing and your seeing is then going to make you start participating. Then you're going to hate yourself for participating in something you saw and said that you shouldn't have been in. And the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. Hold up. A couple verses ago, they were naked and unashamed. They didn't even know they were naked. You know why? Because they were fully vulnerable before the Lord. There's nothing to hide. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves aprons. Something happened. Trauma entered. A rift entered. An injury entered. A separation from who they really were. And now another script is being written on who they should be. And so now they're coming aware and they're beginning to know that they were naked and they have changed on the inside. And so they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. You only have to hide a self if it's the wrong self. See, you only have to hide your cell phone if you're, not afraid, if you're afraid somebody look at it. Whoa, Wait. Oh my God, I feel something in my chest. Wait, hold on. Some, my word. If you are in your right self, if you're in the person and doing the right thing at the right time, there's never any shame to it. You don't have to hide it. So the first instance that you're not doing the right thing is if you got to hide it. So you're in a relationship and they can't leave their phone. Why? I had to tell the married people this morning, they acted like I was speaking Greek. I'm like, if they don't know your password to your Facebook account, the other one. 
Yeah, people be playing, you hear me? Listen. And he said, God says to them, hold on, wait. Who told you? Who told you you were naked? Where did you get this idea from that you weren't just fine? Where did you get this idea that I was trying to hold back from you? Where did this lie come into your mind? Who challenged what I had already said? I already had a conversation with you. I already established who you are. How did something or someone subtly come in? So listen, we are normally reflecting not really who we are, but who others have made us to be. We're reflecting our functionality out of trauma. We're reflecting that last situation. We're reflecting everything but what God says. And that is very destructive to your relationships, to your friendships, to when you're on your job. Because you will take correction as a challenge. You will not take it as a person loves you. You'll take it as a person trying to attack you and come after you. Because in your mind, if anybody points out something to you, it registers to the rejection on the inside. And it makes you start feeling smaller. But if you knew that you knew that you knew that in him you are complete, then there would be no shame or fear. You can take it and go, okay, I can see that. I need to work on that. But we go into these arguments and we stop talking to our friends and we shut down and we move away and we break up and we move on and we do all this stuff and we post on these social media things with all these little messages that are not really relatable to all of us. But you just want that one person to know you're not having it today. So then you get some post from some big celebrity, post it up on there and go like, well, no, call them yourself. We do do not really want to know. We're not interested in your Facebook angle. That is a sign of immaturity and your trauma talking. When you have to take it to social media. When you could be grown and have a conversation. Okay, well, let's move on. So how does, <laughs> how does trauma work? In, how does trauma work? How does trauma work? Listen here. I went to, you know, Google, the all-knowing nothing. You know, Google have you dead in five seconds, right? So don't go for medical advice. My eyelash twitch. Oh my gosh. You're about to pass within five minutes. So how does trauma work? This is your crash course. So what is trauma? I made my own definition with the dictionary's definition. So this is like a made up, but my real definition. Not the Lord, but me speaking. Okay. What is trauma? A deeply distressing or disturbing experience that has a who... And a when, but often lacks a why. It has a who, it has a when, but sometimes it just don't make sense. Like, why? Why would they do that? Why did that happen? It can be, it has a who. It can be an individual. It can be a group. Or it can be a spirit. Some people have tormenting spirits that just torment them over and over. It's not even a person. It's just thoughts and thoughts and thoughts just making you little and little and little and little. It could be a teacher who speaks and paints a picture of, of what you are. So let me, let me give you an example. So Landon um, is now in the fifth grade. Okay. So in the fourth grade, he had done these, this test. And so we had, you know, we knew we were going to ace this test. You know, we, because we take the test, right? Because, you know, <laughs> that's how it goes. So we were ready for the test. And so when he went to take the test, one section, he got entirely wrong. But the instructions, he followed the instructions and he was entirely right. So we couldn't understand how he got like nine whole problems wrong. So I called the math teacher and I'm like, well, well, hold on. 
He's doing what the instruction says. So she said, well, in the beginning of the class, I gave an instruction and told them when they got to number nine, they needed to do this and this and this. I said, ma'am, did you write it on the board? No. Did you tell him to write it by number nine? No. I said, so what you did was a disservice to him because he's a kinetic and audio learner. I mean, you know, visual learner. He's not an auditory learner. He's just like me. I can't hear. I don't listen. I don't, you know, but I can see and I can do. So I said, you just, I pay you all this money. You got like 10 people in your class. Surely, surely you could have told him to write this down. So she had to get the whole math community involved. I was like, why? Okay, so she, they go through this thing. I have to fight for his grades. He got his little grade back. Always fight for your kids. Always fight for your kids. Do not believe the teacher first. You hear me? I know they say the adult is always right. No. I tell my kids, I'm going to believe you 100%. Now, if you lie and I act up, because I am the act up parent. So whatever you say to me, if you say that person did that, I believe you. So I will be on the field carrying on, setting fire sticks. I mean, that's me. So do not lie to me. Now, they may hide stuff, but they do not lie. So I, this year now comes in and this new teacher comes. We are in like day three of the, the first week of school. Day three. What are you doing at day three? Sharpening your pencil, finding out where your little backpack is. You don't know nothing. You're doing nothing on day three. And she says, oh, Miss Connor, um, I would like to offer tutoring to Landon. My Landon? Why? Well, I spoke to his last year's teacher. <laughs> Why? Why? And so she said, I spoke to last year's teacher and, you know, he struggled on a test. I said, the test she had to correct. And um, I just want to make sure that, you know, we give him the best start. I said, no. I said, here's what's not going to happen. I say, you're not going to put on Landon a label that he's not even earned yet. You're bringing up something from last year. And you fail to recognize that Landon Alexander Connor is two years younger than all your students in your class. So my son is not an idiot. What is idiotic is for you to try and assign to him an identity that does not belong to him. Because if on day three he's separated into a class, he's going to believe the lie that he's dumb. Well, you can't be two years younger and be dumb. So you have to see that trauma, just that, will create an idea in your mind that you're not smart. You're not able. You can't do it. You can't retain information. And so now you know what you do. You start acting like you're not smart. You start acting like you're not able. You start going, I'm, I'm struggling. No, somebody started to tell you who you were based on their assessment. And their assessment is always going to be less than God's approval. There's always a who. It could be a parent, a friend, an ex, a family member. But there's always a when. There are defining moments in your life that you can look over and go, man, that right there? I decided. Do you know how you know? Because you make these vows. I will never. The next time, no one will ever. You just wait. All these vows that you make to yourself about someone that has not even entered your life yet. 
And so now you begin to build these garrisons and these walls and these forts around you. And so when you meet somebody, you know, it's either you're really aggressive and you're going to control the situation because the last girl I was with, let me tell you what she did, so I'm going to make sure this one here is under control. Or for a lady, you know, the last person that did this, so I'm telling you what, I'm going to get all of what I need to get on the front end in case this breaks up. I got mine. Because trauma doesn't always have a logical why or acceptable reason. Sometimes we feel like there's no closure. And so we end up actually just creating the cycle. For example, there could be a car crash. And you're like, well, why, why were they drunk? Why it had to be me? Or there's a sexual assault. And you're like, what were they thinking? Why do I have to be the recipient? Or miscarriage. Or just the sudden death of somebody that you love. You know, physical abuse. There's all these different things. And so we don't know what to do with it because it doesn't make sense. So, you're not the only person. Moses was, you know, had some trauma. He was a little baby and they put him on the little river. They killed all the people, that, the little boys that were his age. He got adopted by the family that was trying to kill him. Trauma. Hannah went into the, the place crying, bawling, because her friend Penina kept teasing her and teasing her and mocking her, saying, you can't have any babies. Trauma. Joseph gets put into a pit by people who are supposed to love him. His siblings have to go to prison, running away from these cougar ladies and stuff. Trauma. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I mean. Samson's life got wrecked. Samson got wrecked by the wrong woman who was more about, you know, it was for her than it was about him. Drained his whole strength. I just want to put it out there. That men have just as much feelings as women, okay? Can I just establish that? Alright, because we like to make it look like men don't feel deep. Just because they calm, cool, and collected don't mean they don't have no feelings. Alright? We, we, we slash tires. We take kerosene. We, <laughs> we put on war paint. We let everybody know. I am wounded. You see, I'm hurt. I'll never find someone else. You know what? I mean, we just let him have it. Men, they just deal. But it doesn't mean that they're not hurt to the same level you're hurt. So y'all just stop being like, being mean to my man. Okay. And men, stop dishonoring my woman. Okay. Esther was an orphan. She had some trauma. The widow lost her child. She had some trauma. Tamar got raped by her brother. That's trauma and drama. David was attacked by Saul. But trauma is going to happen to us all because you know what? There's some people with just wills that don't, they don't make no sense. We don't even know why they do what they do. It's going to happen to everybody. But the most dangerous thing about trauma is that it threatens to steal your identity. And you're not best until you're really functioning in the God identity you have. It wants to assign you a new one. So, the most dangerous part, and then my strong, amazing men are going to come up here. <laughs> yeah, give, Peter, you want to reverse the order? Is that, <laughs> my, my, oh, my Lord. That's the son of Lord. Anyway, so the most dangerous thing is that it steals from us, right? It steals our identity. So this is really what happens when trauma is happening. Okay, so you come into this world, 
Oh, it's, it's gonna be you. Oh, you gonna be the one with all the compliments. This is, <laughs> why y'all put Corey in the middle? Y'all are evil. You're evil. <laughs> PJ. <laughs> all right. So this PJ, okay, represents who you are before anything ever happens. Before anything ever happens. Okay. This is a person who. When they're small, they're a kid, and they see a body of water called a pool, they are going to go straight to the pool and do what? Jump in. Why? They don't know there's any danger. They don't know they could drown. They just leap. They just enjoy. They are fearless. This is that person. This is who you are. But then one day, you did jump. And start choking and somebody rescues you and that's the trauma so now trauma is here telling you be afraid of water be scared you can't swim you're gonna die you're gonna drown but this person over here would say but your body is 70 percent water you can be on a boat on water the water can't kill you You're buoyant. You're born in water. Your cells were born in water. You are nine months in water. You are all about water. But the trauma says, this is who I want you to be though. So you're going to be afraid. So now when your little friends say, let's go to the lake, you just back away. Oh, I have something else to do. You don't have nothing else to do. You're just scared of water. You meet somebody and they talk about, oh yeah, I like the beach. You'll be like, well, let's scratch them off the list because... (laughs) We can't go to the water because trauma is going to try and say to you, rewrite another script. But the script is always contrary to who you would have been without it. You understand what I'm saying? So now somebody comes and says something to you and you're like, what do you want? So trauma free would say, thank you. Trauma go, what do you want from me? What are you trying to do? Where are you trying to go with this? Are you trying to marry me? They just said hi. They just said hi. They just said hi. All they said was hi. <laughs> They're like, hey, what's up? And you're like, so what? What do you want? What? Uh, we need to have a sit-down meeting to find out where this is going. No, we don't. We just said hi at church outside in the foyer. That's all we were doing. Thank you. So, <laughs> you understand? So trauma is like this little mirror here. But it's not little. When you look at yourself... It is, well, this, this view makes me more than myself. A whole lot of us are more than we need to be. <laughs> you look this way, there's a whole lot of different selves in here. This is a reflection that we see. And because we see this reflection, we believe it and we take it out there for others to see. And this is what we try to hide. So we try to hide this and we try to hide it. And because it's not really real, when we meet people, when we're interacting with ourselves, when we're by ourselves or with other people, we try to bring up the best of us because we're really trying to hide this person. But this person is what trauma makes you distorted. It makes you not who you're really supposed to be. So turn with me now to 2 Samuel 4, 4. Okay, we can do this. We got seven minutes. Six minutes. Six minutes. Six minutes. Dougie Fresh, you own. What? <laughs> Second Samuel 4. Second Samuel 4, 4 says this. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son. Now, Jonathan was the son of Saul. Saul was the king of Israel, right? So Jonathan had a son, right? That would have been the grandson. 
that was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up to flee. And it came to pass as she was running to flee that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. The name Mephibosheth means one who destroys shame. But the person that was supposed to be protecting him ended up injuring him. And now they're describing that he became lame. He was now paralyzed. Turn with me now to 2 Samuel verse 9. I mean chapter 9. Okay, are you there? No? Well, I am. Let's go. Verse 1. <laughs> and David said, Is there yet anyone that is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Verse 3. So Ziba said to the king, Jonathan has a son which is lame on his feet. He didn't say Jonathan's son's name is Mephibosheth. That is not what he said. He said he has a son, but you know what about that son? He's lame. So people will describe you on your trauma if you let them. You will describe yourself on your trauma if you let them. You will forget your own name. And people will forget who you are because this is what's most obvious. Don't allow people to hold you hostage to yesterday. Verse 4, And the king said unto him, Where is he? I don't care that he's lame. Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. In where? Say it one more time. Where? In Lodabar. He is below the bar of what he should be living. He is a prince and he is living below the bar. He is of royalty and he's below the bar. He's a grandson of a great king of Israel and he's out here in the ghetto below the bar. He's supposed to be on thrones and he is over here without his feet below the bar. And I dare say to many of you that you are living below the bar. And so you're attracting people below the bar. Because you think so little of yourself. That you've gone into hiding and made your trauma your cloak of identity. Verse 5. Then the king sent, the David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir. He got him out and from Lodabar. Verse 6. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David. I love how he did that because he shows a genealogy. There is nothing in this boy's lineage that should make him satisfied with less. And it says here, was come unto David, when Mephibosheth came unto David. Remember, his name is supposed to mean, who destroys shame. But what did he do? He fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, calling him by name. And he answered, Behold your servant. And David said unto him, verse 7, Fear not, for I will surely show you favor or kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore unto you all that belongs to your grandfather. 
everything that belongs to your father. And you will eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon a dead dog like me? So David says, you're going to sit at the king's table because you're a king's kid. That's who you are, Mephibosheth. You keep looking over here and saying, I'm such a dog. I'm so bad. My legs don't work. Why should I deserve anything? Who is going to love me in this state? Oh my gosh, this is who I am. And David says, no, 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 no. Get a clear view of yourself. Look up in this mirror right here and see that you look just like me. You look just like God. And when you can look into the clear mirror of God, then when you face somebody, you can discern because you're not clouded up into that. And David said, the king called to Ziba and said unto him, I have given unto you your master's son and everything that pertains to him. Verse 10, therefore you and your sons work that land for him. Work it for him. He can't do it, but you're going to work it for him. And you shall bring him the fruits. And verse 11 says this. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. (laughs) It reminds me. Here's the thing. God has amazing things for you. But if you keep holding on to an identity that is not yours, you'll mess things up. You will link up with other suffering people. You will go into those rebound relationships and you're not whole and they're not whole. But you know what you have in common? Trauma. Oh, they left you. They left me too. Let's not leave each other. And you get bonded over trauma than truth. You get connected by your cares and your stuff rather than who you really are in God. And so you can see the evidences. We're angry, we're upset, we're withholding, we're, we're backing down. We can't just really have honest conversation because we don't want that rejection to show up. And so we settle in these relationships. Everybody have basic needs. Every human has basic needs. You have basic needs of companionship. You have basic needs of approval. You have basic needs of affection. You have a basic need of attention. You have basic needs of sexual fulfillment. These are all needs. But when you are unhealthy, your main need will sacrifice every other need. And you find that we get stuck in an abusive relationship. Not because we like to be abused, but because maybe our need is attention. So we will suffer and let go approval and let go everything else because this major need is getting filled. But if you and I could really start studying the word of God for ourselves and realize who we are in him, understand that the Bible says in Zechariah, listen, you are the apple of my eye. And Romans tells us what? No height, no death. Nothing past, no things to come, no angels, no demons, no things under the earth, no things above the earth. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. Philippians tells us that this mind of Christ lives in us. Peter tells us you are a holy nation. 
a royal people. Revelation says that you are kings and priests. Romans, back in verse chapter 8, says you're sons of the living God. Genesis tells us in 126 that what? We are like his image. And I am here to tell you, like they say in that movie there, you have forgotten who you are. When Rafiki comes and he hits him on his head, and he says, why did you hit me? He says, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. Another time he comes up and he says, I don't know what you're saying, Rafiki, because Mufasa is dead. He says, he is not. He is alive. Go follow oh, Rafiki. And they start running through the place and he says, go to the still water. And as he's looking over the water, he says, look further. And he looks further and he says, you see, he lives in you. So what do you do? You get your information from the word of God. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between sword and soul and spirit. You get your foundation on the word. You begin to rehearse that word to yourself. Build your value on God's word and you won't need it from other people. And then when it's right and when the season is right, then God will bring you together at the right time. But you do not want to get hooked up with a trauma because trauma and drama go together. It is better to stay single and get whole and get married at 50 than be trying to hook up just to have your Facebook status say, in a real complicated relationship. Why have to be complicated? Why does it have to be complicated? I don't need no complication in my life. God be the glory. I need some peace. You're going to bring complication? Flee thee behind me. Well, it's just complicated. You, if you don't even have the words to explain your own complication, how am I going to understand? You don't even understand you. How am I supposed to understand you? We're not a good fit. So you're going to build your thing on the word of God. Next thing you need is some wingmen. You ever watch those big trucks? 18 wheelers. And they have this little mirror on there. This is called a wing mirror. You know why? To see the blind spots you can't see. You need some wingmen in your life. Because your trauma is telling you all the foolishness. And you don't see when something is creeping up on you. And you don't see when something is in your blind spot. And you don't know when to let go and move on. And you don't know when that's not good for you or you shouldn't go to that place. You need some no people in your life. Somebody that's going to look at you and say, no. You want to do well. You want to restore your identity in Jesus Christ. You need accountability. You need accountability. People that are have your back and say, no, we can fight about it. You can be mad with me. But I, I'm a non-negotiable. I'm not going anywhere. So I'll say no and you, can, you cannot speak to me for six years. It don't matter. Come right back at six years. One day I'll be right here. Because your disagreement don't intimidate me. I'm in it for being in it, right? So if we're going to say we're going to have an accountable relationship, then we should be able to look out for each other. But many of us don't want this. Because some of us like the dark. <laughs> I used to be in the dark, so I understand. 
But I am in the light, and can I tell you, oh my God, it's such a freeing thing to just, woo, leave your phone anywhere, and oh my God, everybody can have my password and pass. It's amazing. It's amazing when living right feels good. When you don't live right, you always have to lie and dip and try and figure out what your next move is going to be. Who did you tell what to when, when, who, where? It's exhausting. Sin is exhausting. I'm telling you, I have tried it. Oh my God. Oh, it takes you further than you want to go and charge you more than you were willing to pay. That is what I know. So, what you going to do? Your experience does not erase your identity. You need some accountability. You're going to reflect the image of God. The only way for you to get the image of God into your heart is get the word of God into your heart. Where you are not that needy person. People pick up on neediness. Nobody wants no needy person. Well, pastor, I am needy. Then own your neediness. Go to the throne of God and say, Lord, help me. I do not want to be needy. Lord, I'm angry. I do not want to be angry. Father, get scripture. Man, you should get you one of big old white blankets and write every scripture and wrap yourself up in there. Whatever you need to do. Sometimes I put voice memos of all the scriptures with whatever I'm struggling with and I just play it so I can hear my own self tell myself. This is the deal, sister. Okay? <laughs> I write it on my walls. It's on my mirrors. I have to be surrounded because I have so much trauma that somebody will say something to me and I'm flashing back and I'm like, wait, hold on. I've got to catch that girl and put her over here. Because if not, it will be destroyed. So today, many of you can probably see that maybe on Mondays, you are your real self. Tuesdays, you're your five-year-old self. Wednesdays, maybe 17. Thursdays, you flash back into 25. Fridays, well, church is coming, so let me try and get it all together. Saturday, well, I dipped back into 30. The dirty 30. Sunday, Pastor Polo, please make that worship go longer so I can just get all this off of me. But what if you could just be consistent in who you are? And love yourself for who you are. Because who you are is who he is. And the closer you get to him is a better view you have of yourself. Because the Bible says, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Jesus said, as I am in this world, so are you. So as long as I stay away from the reflection, I can't see who I am because this makes more sense. But the closer I get, the better the view. And the more I do this, I should be reflecting who God is. So if I am doing this and the reflection is doing something else, I'm not in sync What God is doing and what I am doing should be congruent. We should be doing the same thing. So I want to challenge you all today. Where has trauma stolen something from you? And are you willing to do the work to get it back? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus. That you're so good. I pray that you heal every heart here. I pray, God, that as they pinpoint things, defining moments in their life, defining people in their life, that, Lord, they'll know at the end of the day they can surrender that to you.
Because that does not override your word over their life. And it doesn't override who they are based on your word. So our God, I thank you for greater things to come. So if you're here today and you're like, listen, Pastor, so I'm willing to do the work. Or you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior.